Father, in the name of Jesus, we welcome your presence in here today. We are grateful and thankful, O Lord, for this opportunity now to to hear what your word says to us. I'm asking you to help me speak what you want spoken today. I'm asking you to help me speak your heart. And may we hear your voice in the middle of all the muddle and all the mess. And we thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that changes us. And we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 12. This is kind of a rough passage of scripture, but just prepare yourself. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod upon one another. Your challenge today is to use the word trod somewhere in a sentence. They trod upon one another. Sounds like they were in a mosh pit. He began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in light, and that which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. The message I want to share with you this morning I've entitled, Don't Look Now, But the Real You is Showing. Can't hardly read it there, it kind of flushed out on me. But don't look now, the real you is showing. Um, how many of you know that as human beings, it's pretty easy uh, to hide? We do things, we do that pretty well. We, we learn how to hide things in our lives. We kind of inherited it from Adam and Eve, right? Uh, when Adam and Eve failed in the garden, the first thing that they did is they tried to hide from God. Now, I find that story so very interesting because um, they, they hide themselves from the one who knows everything. And when God comes and says, you know, where are you, Adam? It's not because God can't find them. It's not like God counted to 20 and then he came down and couldn't quite. The kids were at the house were playing hide and seek uh, yesterday. And Logan buried himself in a pile of clothes and uh, Avery and Tristan weren't sure if it was him, so they literally beat the pile of clothing until he said, Ow. Like, it would have been easier if you just would have removed the socks, you know. We are good at hiding ourselves, and Adam and Eve, they went and hid behind a tree, and God said, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, I hid myself because I was ashamed. And obviously God's like, I know where you are, Adam, right? I made the tree you're hiding behind. So it's kind of hard for us to... to uh, uh, not to hide from God, right? And so, but we do, as humans, we hide things well because we're prone to cover up things that we don't want people to see or we don't want people to know. We're inclined to leave out details that might look, uh, make us look bad. I don't know. Maybe you guys don't do that. But we are inclined to somehow leave out some of the pertinent information because that information might make us look bad. We uh, are blame shifters, Someone else's fault, right? If we always have, if we have a problem, it's always someone else, right? If we have an issue with our coworker, it's because of them. If it's, if we have a problem with our boss, it's them. If we have an issue with our spouse, it's because of something they have done. We are blame shifters. It's always someone else's fault, and we learn how to lie, folks, by doing what? Telling half truths. We tell half truths, which equal half lies, which equal a whole lie, right? We wear certain types of clothes. To cover up how we look. We wear varying degrees of makeup to cover ourselves up. We have things shoved into closets and under beds. How many of you have junk drawers? How many of you have multiple junk drawers? (laughs) I know the scissors are in one of these drawers. I will find it in just a minute. 
Why do we have these places? Because we don't want people to ever see these things. And you know what? We have filters on our phones and on our computers that allow us to make sure our pictures look exactly as we want them before they go on social media. All right? I mean, the world of social media is, uh, let's just be honest, a world of perfect people and perfect marriages and perfect kids and perfect homes and perfectly cooked meals. Some of y'all took that picture right off Pinterest, put it on Facebook, and said, I made this. <laughs> and it does not look like that, and you know it doesn't. Come on now. I mean, if you've ever been to a fast food restaurant, and when you open up your package, you're like, that doesn't look like what it was on the menu. Right? Which, by the way, have you had the breakfast baconator yet? Have you had it yet? Did you get saved? Did you get saved when you ate it? Amen. <laughs> I had an experience with God when I ate the breakfast baconator. But I mean, really, in the digital age that we live in, we can live our entire lives under a persona that is not really us. Our entire life, we can live people watching us, people looking at us, people thinking that they know us, but we're literally living a life that is not even who we really are. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? Now, there are some people that put things on Facebook that really shouldn't be there, you know? There are some people that just don't care, right? Yep, here's my messy room, here's my messy life, here's my messy mouth. I'm going to go ahead and put it on Facebook. I'm going to go ahead and tweet the first thing that pops into my mind, right? So we do see those kind of things. There are those kind of people, but for the most part, we are those who feel the need many times to cover up, to hide, to make sure that people don't know. And here's the thing. Religion has its own level of fakeness. I'd like to say that every person that says that they love God means what they say. But every religion, not just Christianity, every religion has its level of fakeness because every religion has a certain expectation of what it looks like to follow that religion, right? We all have a certain picture in our mind of what it means to be a Christian, and so there are certain expectations of what that is supposed to mean. So what does that do? It makes it easy for folks to put on a religious outfit when they're really never becoming anything. It's easy for us to... Put on that outward show of religion, that outward show of Christianity, when our hearts are not necessarily truly chasing after God. And this is the essence of hypocrisy. Being a hypocrite, hypocrite is actually a Greek word for actor. It it takes into account the Greek plays where they would literally wear masks that most of the time were in some type of staff. They would hold the mask over top of their face and they would do the drama or the play with the mask over their face. So a hypocrite was actually known as an actor. And so when we think of the term hypocrite, we're thinking of not just someone who says one thing and does another. The essence of hypocrisy is when we think we're okay, but we're not. The essence of hypocrisy is when we are able to point out what's wrong with others, but we're never able to see what's wrong with us. The essence of hypocrisy is putting on the religious outfit without ever really becoming who we say we are supposed to be becoming. So Jesus makes some very powerful statements in this passage here this morning. First of all, he warns the disciples to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which he says is hypocrisy. The Pharisees were a very strict religious group who was uh, very strictly... um, adherent to the law of God. Um, They were very influential in the Jewish people's understanding of what it meant to be a true worshiper of God. They were very influential in showing the Jews what it meant to be a true Jewish person. They were teachers, 
And they dominated the theological landscape during the time of Jesus. You had the Pharisees and you had the Sadducees, but mostly the Pharisees were the ones who were affecting the everyday life of most Jewish people. So for Jesus to warn others that their teachings might be dangerous was quite a shock to the system. Jesus was standing up and saying, hey, these teachers of the law whom you have based how you live your life, how you live your life, these teachers of the law may very well be dangerous and you need to be beware of them. He compares their teaching to leaven. Why? Because it only takes a little bit of leaven to affect the entire thing. Paul even says that it, takes a, it just takes a little leaven to leaven the whole lump. That no, matter, uh, no matter what happens, once you get a little bit of yeast, a little bit of leaven, it's going to affect the whole thing, right? How much poison do you need to get sick? Just a little bit, right? And from my understanding, arsenic smells like almonds. So if anybody is a little concerned about your spouse, you might want to start smelling your drink. It only takes a little bit of poison to poison us, right? It only takes a little bit of listening to the leaven of the Pharisees to create in them something that was actually pulling them away from God. So it only took a little bit of listening to the Pharisees who have, Jesus said, honored God with their lips, but their hearts were far from Him. Jesus had some of the harshest comments for those who claimed to be religious, but were in fact, as He said, full of dead men's bones. Matter of fact, he called the religious leaders of the day serpents and scorpions. He told them that they were making the, those who followed them twice the child of hell as themselves. Jesus reserved some of his most harshest comments to those who claimed to be religious, but did not have a real relationship with God. Who honored God with their mouth, with their lips, but their hearts were far from Him. And what was it that Jesus was the harshest about? He was the harshest about their hypocrisy. From the outside, the religious leaders had it all together. Their Facebook page was littered with quotes and scriptures and and praise. And their Facebook posts were perfect. They took pictures of themselves praying. And they took pictures of themselves worshiping. They took selfies of themselves while they were fasting. I'm in the middle of a fast. They promoted themselves on the outside that had it all together. Remember, remember the guy, remember you had the, the publican and you had the, you had the lawyer on the one side and he said, he prayed, cried out to God, I thank God I'm not like this tax collector. Right? I fast three times a week. You know, you know, you know as well as I do, if he had Facebook, that would have been his, if he had Twitter, that would have been his pinned tweet. I fast three times a week. Right? The Pharisees had it all together on the outside, but Jesus attacked their hypocrisy. Why? Because Jesus knew what was in them. And that's a scary statement, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus knows what was in them. When John had a revelation of Jesus on the Isle of Patmos, the Bible says that his eyes were like fire. What's that mean? It just burns through all the dirt and mess and stuff, and it sees what we try to hide. Jesus knew what was in them. But Jesus knew that even though they were fooling the people by their strictly religious lives, the real them was starting to show. Then Jesus reminds all of us in this passage of Scripture that nothing is hidden from God. 
In this passage of Scripture, he says, everything that is covered will be revealed. Everything done in the dark will be brought to the life. Everything spoken in private will be shouted from the housetops. Does that make anybody else uncomfortable? Makes me uncomfortable. Everything that is covered is going to be revealed. Everything that we have done in the dark will be brought to the light. Everything spoken in private will be shouted from the housetops. Be sure your sin will find you out. In other words, no matter how hard we try, the real us is always going to be open to the eyes of God. Then no matter how hard we try to hide it or to put on the persona or to put on the religious outfit or to go through the motions or be who we are trying to be, the real us eventually is going to come out. The Bible gives us a few of these warnings throughout, throughout Scripture. And I want to read four verses to you. There are a bunch of others we can look at, but I just want to share these with you. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 13, it says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes with whom we have to do. We are open to God's eyes. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says this, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14 says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be bad. And Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3 said, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. I remember when we had the academy over here, uh, I think it was clear back to when Caleb was in kindergarten, but we had an issue with someone in the boys' room rolling all the toilet paper out. And when you're a Christian school that's living, you know, hand over fist, we're trying to spare as much toilet paper as we possibly can. But somebody was rolling it all out on the floor, and at least they weren't jamming it in the toilets, right? They were throwing it in the trash can. I'm like... You know, we don't really have a lot of big people here that need that much toilet paper. So we had a little meeting in the chapel over here to discuss our toilet paper issue. And I quoted this passage of Scripture. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. (laughs) Beholding you rolling out the toilet paper... Onto the floor. Uh, we never really got to the bottom of it, but you always have those certain people that are like, it wasn't me, and I didn't even ask you, right? You ever, had, you ever have kids do that? I didn't do it. I didn't ask you. Thanks for letting me know. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. The essence of Christianity, folks, the essence of Christianity is always the heart. And I know that I talk about this a lot, but that's because I believe that unless we deal with ourselves from the inside out, it doesn't really matter what we look like on the outside. Our church attendance doesn't really matter if God has not really captured our hearts. 
Our pursuit of God cannot just be something that we check off every day as a religious exercise if God hasn't truly captured our hearts. The essence of Christianity is always the heart. This is what God sees. This is what God knows about us. What we know about each other many times is just what we see. Some of us only see each other on Sundays. And we may look at each other and say, man, what a wonderful Christian. Man, what an awesome woman of God. What an awesome man of God. But we don't, we don't follow him home. If we follow him home for a week, we come back the next Sunday and say, you need to repent. <laughs> right, because this is what God knows about us. This is the real us. And this is the part that grace must reach if we are to become new creatures in Christ. If we are to become born again, if we are to become brand new creatures, then this is where God must reach. God can't just reach our heads. We're not saved until He reaches our hearts. And this is the part that the Holy Spirit works on to sanctify us and prepare us for God's purpose. God's Holy Spirit doesn't come along and work on the outside. Oh, go get a haircut. Right? Shave your beard, look better, dress better. God starts with the heart. And this is where we must always start if we want to spiritually grow and move forward in our faith. Growing spiritually and moving forward in faith does not start with outward religious actions. It starts with a heart that pursues God. Why? The issues of life, the Bible says, flow from our hearts. The very issues of life flow flow from our hearts. And this passage and others that we read and many others that, that we could find point to the reality, folks, that we're all going to stand before God in judgment. There is coming a day. There may be people that we may look and say, God, why do they get away with it? They won't. And we may even think that we're in here today and we will get away with it. We won't. There is coming a day. Well, we will all stand before God in judgment. And our true selves will be revealed. Nothing will be hidden. We can't hide it. There are no more excuses. There's nobody else to blame. It is us and us alone that will stand before God. By ourselves. We can't point our fingers at our parents. We can't point our fingers at our spouse. We can't point our fingers at our bad uh, situation. We will stand before God in judgment. And if we know this is true... Shouldn't we live in the light of this truth? Should we not live as one whose heart is already exposed to the one who loves us and wants to transform us? Peter said, if we know these things, should we not live in the fear of God in our sojourning here on earth? But that is the thing. When we read these passages of Scripture that one day I will stand in judgment, we read those with fear, but we don't have to. Because perfect love casts out fear. If our hearts have already been captured by Christ, Christ has taken our judgment. Jesus took our judgment. If there is fear, then we may need to check our hearts. We read these passages in fear, but it's God's grace that shows us who we are and who we really can be in Him. It is God's love that captures us. It is God's love that draws us towards Him. It is God's grace that reveals to us what really needs to change in our lives to be like Him. But still, even though we know this truth, even though we know this reality in our hearts, it's still easy as Christians to try to cover up the real us. Maybe it's because of shame. 
of something we have done. It's very easy to try to hide. We don't want people to know that we sinned. We don't want people to know that we messed up. Maybe it's because of our pride. And we don't want people to know that we need help. We don't want people to know that we're feeling weak. As Don was talking about here this morning, we need each other to fight these battles. But many times our pride refuses to allow us to even admit that we need help to fight this battle. Our pride keeps us from even coming to Christ. Our pride, the Bible tells us, causes God to resist us. So our pride causes us to hide. And you know what? Many times we hide because it's just the pressure of trying to meet the expectations of other people. So we feel like we have to put on the Christian show. I've got to put on the Christian show because people are watching me. People are seeing me. People expect certain things of me. And so we put on the Christian show. Whatever it is, whatever it is that causes us to hide, hypocrisy can hit the best of us. But the fact is, if we're going to pursue God, we have to start with honesty. Any level of freedom in our lives starts with us being honest with ourselves and honest with God. Humility is rooted in honesty. Recognizing who I am and why I need God. Recognizing that I can't do it without His help. Recognizing that I need you. Recognizing that I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to let you down. I'm not better than you. I need a Savior. That all begins with honesty. We have to be honest with ourselves. And we have to be honest with where we stand with God. We have to learn to take the masks off and let His light shine in all of our hearts. Because we can't just allow the show to continue. We can't continue in hypocrisy and fakeness forever. Eventually, folks, the real you is going to show itself. You ever been trying to hold it together? You've been holding it together, you've been holding it together, you've been holding it together, and all of a sudden that one little tear. Eventually it shows itself, doesn't it? Here's the thing. Truth will always find us. No matter how far we run, no matter how long we hide, it may not even be in this life. It may be in the next. But truth will find you. And there are ways that the real us will come to the surface. There are things in this life that expose who we really are. I mean, the church has been littered with scandals. Men and women of God that we looked up to, that we we saw and said, they're they're the people we emulate, these are the people that we look up to, these are the, the people that we learn from that have only shattered our confidence. Why? Because they decided to give in to fleshly desires, because they're human, right? We took these people and we exalted them too high in the first place. And then when they fail, they came crashing down. And then we kicked them because we think now we're better than they are. But we have been failed. We have been let down. Hypocrisy has riddled the church because eventually the real you will show. The real you will show. And this is the awesome power of God's grace. God deals with us, not because he wants to embarrass us, but because he wants to free us. But there comes a time when that which is covered will be revealed. When that which was done in secret will be shouted from housetops. I'll be honest with you, I'd rather deal with it now than to have to deal with it when everybody knows. 
God uses things in our lives to actually bring things to the surface. And he uses them to move us toward him so that our hearts can truly be changed. Because God loves us, but he loves us enough to change us. And there's five things really quickly I want to share with you. This is how life can bring the real you to the surface. And there there may be others that you think of, but these are things that God laid on my heart. And God uses these things to show us who we really are. Number one, opposition. How many of you know it's easy to have faith when everything's going well? Everybody looks good when you're happy. Hallelujah! I want to see faith when you're in the fight. T.D. Jakes is famous for saying, you never know that you have faith until you've been in a good fight. We have to recognize, folks, that the Christian life is a war. Anybody that came to Jesus thinking that you were going to tiptoe through the tulips all the way to heaven doesn't understand what Christianity is about. To follow Christ is warfare. To follow Christ is a battle. It's a fight. There's opposition. There are trials. There's tribulation. There are temptations. There are devils and demons. There are people. There's opposition. There's fear. There are obstacles. There are hindrances. There are things that are going to try to stand in our way to keep us from pursuing God. We have to recognize that sometimes life can be tough. But faith only becomes strong because it learns how to stand when things are hard. The Bible tells me it is the trying of our faith that produces results. The real you isn't always found in the blessed times, but in the down times. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that if you're going through opposition and you're mad and you kick the cat, or you you get mad and, and, and say things that maybe you wouldn't normally say, I recognize that we all go through those times in our lives. But you have to recognize that when pressure is placed on something, what's in it is going to come out. If you take a tube of toothpaste and you squeeze it, what do you expect to come out of? If you're looking for orange juice, you grab the wrong thing. If you want toothpaste, you squeeze the toothpaste. What is in you comes out when you're under pressure. Gold is refined in fire. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that, that Israel was chosen in the furnace of affliction. You put the gold in, it burns, and all the dross, all of the filth, all of the waste comes to the top, and then you scoop it off and you have pure gold. Our faith cannot become gold if it doesn't go through fire. Our faith cannot become gold unless it has been tested and tried. We all have to know that, we, that the enemy does not want us to go after God. He wants to frustrate our pursuit of God. And we have to recognize that opposition is going to come. But I believe that faith eats opposition and spits out the bones. Tell me that you got faith when things are going well, but come back to me later when things are falling apart. That's when real faith shows itself. Opposition will show us the real us. Number two, when we leave the church. Now, I'm not saying that some of you have... I'm not saying those who have quit the church. Obviously, if they've quit going to church, that shows us a lot about them. But I'm talking about us, us Sunday folk, us Wednesday folk, if we're really radical. Us Sunday people. We come to church, we gather in this building, we worship, we praise God, we thank God, we, put, we do our Christian routine... But then we leave. We're all going to leave, right? There's some of you like, I ain't leaving. Stand right here. 
Some of you need to stay here. But we leave this church because why? Faith is lived out there. This is a place where you learn. This is a place where you grow. This is a place where you get healed and encouraged and strengthened and prayed for. But you take what happens here and you live it out there. So sure, your faith looks good in here, but what's it look like out there? That's where it matters. And here's what's crazy about the church. This is the place where we should be the most real. But unfortunately, church is sometimes where we're the most fake. As faith people, we don't want to admit that we need help. We don't want to admit that we need some, someone to come along and, and lift us up. As, as holy people, we don't want to admit that we're struggling or that we may have failed or that we're trapped in sin. So we put on the church face. We say the amens. We go through the motions. And then there are some of us in here that we want to show off our spiritual cred. Right? Look at me and my spiritual walk. Hallelujah. Let me show you my faith. Let me show you how powerful I am. Hallelujah. I know the words of every worship song. Right? I can sing even better than Greg. Right? You know you're going to hell if you're thinking that. You're you're going straight to hell. Liar. Straight up liar. But no, we have our spiritual cred we got to keep up. we got our spiritual reputation that we've got to keep up. So we shout and we sing and we do all the right things, but our hearts are straying. Our hearts are straying. Why? Because there's nothing that will destroy your walk with God more than pride, including spiritual pride. Some of us, and I pray that you hear what I'm saying here today, and I really believe that this is serious business, but some of us are living double lives. We have our church life, and we have our work and play life. And here's the thing. The real us may not be the one who's lifting their hands on Sunday. The real us may be the one at work who's talking the same way and acting the same way and seeing the world the same way as the world does. We act churchy around our church friends and worldly around our unsaved friends. So we have to ask the question... Which one is the real you? It's easy for us sometimes when we leave the church, we're no longer under the eye of those watchful, stuffy Christians. So now I can do this. I can talk like this. I can go to these places. I can hang with these people. I can do these kind of things that I normally would not do. And we have to ask ourselves, what's... The real us. It's easy for us to get into that trap. It's easy for us to get around the world and want to blend in and become chameleon Christians where we blend in with our surroundings. But we have to ask ourselves, when we leave the church, real faith, real faith is lived outside the sanctuary. Real faith is not the testimony in the circle of those who are like, Amen. Right? It's easy to have faith when everyone agrees with us, when we all got a church full of yes men. Right? I remember there was, I can't even remember who it was. Maybe been Don Thompson. He was kind of in the middle of saying yes and amen, and it came out as yes men. <laughs> yes men. 
It's easy for us, for our faith to be encouraged when we've got people around us saying amen. But our faith gets tried when we're around those who are skeptical, when around those who are mocking us. Peter said that people will find it strange that you don't want to join in with them on what they're doing. They should find it strange because you're different. The real you starts showing when you leave this building. Number three, our alone times. There are many things that we can learn about someone when we look at what they do when they can do whatever they want. I'll say that again. There are many things we can learn about someone when we look at what they do when they can do whatever they want. See, we all have obligations. We all have responsibilities that require our time. There are things at our job and with our family and with our finances that require our time. We are obligated to fulfill those times. But the real, real you comes out when you're free to do whatever you want. Which means if our free time is missing a consistent pursuit of God, then we need to check our hearts. If our free time has, is only about fishing, God help us. But not pursuing God. If our free time is always taken up by naps and TV and books and things, hobbies, and there's no time for Jesus, that tells us something about the real us. I know I'm being hard, but this is going to be shouted from the housetops, folks. Our alone times include our thought life. What consistently fills your mind reveals the real you. What you think about the most reveals the real you. Our thought life is where we win or lose in the spiritual battle. If we are going to never, if we never think or meditate on spiritual things, we're never going to grow spiritually. If our mind is never focusing on the Word, never focusing on prayer, never focusing on the things of God, there are people I know that have been in church all their lives, but I've never had a spiritual conversation with them. Because spiritual things don't interest them. And I have to ask, the real you is showing. Our thoughts are known by God, and therefore He knows our hearts. He knows our passions. He knows our desires. Listen, if we're filling our minds with junk, then we live junky lives. What we listen to, what we watch, what we read, what we search on the internet. These are all alone times that reveal the real you. What, what if your search engine results was shouted from the housetops? Our alone times tell us the real us. Because we can put on the show when people are watching. Our alone times reveal the real us. Number four, there's two more. Hang in there. Don't run away from me. How we talk. We all know that Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That means that our words will eventually give us away. Whatever we think on the most, whatever we meditate on, whatever fills our hearts, is eventually going to come out in what we say. But here's the thing. As Christians... We have learned how to control some of our words depending on who we are around. Or at least we have learned to dial them down. Right? Well, I'm around Christians, so let me dial it down a bit. Let me watch what I say. We've learned how to do that. But what about those text messages to friends? 
What about those Facebook messages that have prayer requests that are full of gossip? Again, what if our text messages were shouted from the housetops? Some of us would lose some friends. Some of us might even lose some spouses. Why? Because how we talk doesn't just have to do with what's coming out here because we've, we live in a digital age now. Some of us, you know as well as I do, and I'm one of those people. I'd rather text you. If you're calling me, I'm wanting to know, is someone dead? Is someone dead? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. If I look at my phone and Amy calls, I'm like, oh my gosh, the house is on fire. Right? Because we don't always talk with our mouths, we talk with our thumbs. We talk with our keyboards. How we talk reveals the real us. I mean, let's just, I mean, let's just be honest. It cracks me up to see the LMAOs and the WTFs and the WTHs. You do know what that means, right? Right? I'm not trying to condemn anyone, but you know as well as I do. Folks, what we say is an indication of what's in here. How we talk. And again, sitting right here in this sanctuary, we may have said, I love you, Jesus. And when worship was over, they can't sing. (laughs) Did you see what they were wearing? Right? We just said, I love you, Lord. (laughs) What we say. And we've all done this. I understand that. We've all done this. But what we say consistently. Folks, look at how we talk. Look at how we talk with our Christian friends and with our non-Christian friends. Look at how we talk. Because it's showing the real you. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of tongue, and we eat the fruit of how we talk. So our prayer should be, let the meditation of my heart and let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You know, so I think I mentioned with you last week, there was a meme that was going around that said the Holy Spirit will make you backspace the whole thing out and just put okay. You ever done that? There's fire coming off the keyboard. Okay. This is what I wanted to say, but I'm going to say, okay. Thumbs up. How we talk. And then number five, I'll end with this, and these kind of tie into how we talk. Number five, how we treat people. The golden rule, we all know what it is. Do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Treat people like we want to be treated. We learned that as a kid. And as parents, we use it to remind our selfish, self-centered children that they need to learn to treat people with respect. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Be nice. Be kind. These are little fluffy sayings. But we use them to train our kids. Be kind. Be nice. But they also carry a very powerful social and spiritual reality. We can be famous, materially successful. We can have a name in the community. But how we treat other people says more about us than anything we may ever obtain. 
I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how famous you are. I don't care how much money you've got. I don't care how highly you think of yourself. How you treat people shows us who you are. There's two things that I want you to remember about this. How we treat others is a direct reflection on how we see ourselves. Sometimes we, pe- we treat people like trash because we feel that we are trash. Sometimes we talk down to people because we think we're better than they are. How we treat people is a reflection on how we see ourselves. But maybe even more importantly, how we treat people is a reflection on our relationship with God. We cannot love God and hate people. I'm not saying you got to like everyone. I'm just saying loving God does not allow us to hate people. Christianity is defined by love. We can't escape this reality that loving people is the command of Jesus and it defines who we are. So the real you comes out in how you treat other people. And if our hearts are filled with God's love, then it should motivate our actions. It should motivate how we treat people. It should motivate how we see other people, how we care about other people. How we treat people, don't look now, but the real you is showing. As I close this morning, we all know that it's easy to hide. And I pray that you feel the weight of this passage of Scripture this morning. Everything that is hidden will be revealed. Everything that's done in the dark is going to come to the light. Everything that is spoken in secret is going to be shouted from housetops. Now, that may not happen until we stand in judgment before God. But the fact of the matter is, eventually the real you is going to show. We all put on masks, sometimes to hide the real us, but we can't hide from God. There is coming a day where our hearts will be laid bare before Christ and our thoughts, our intentions, our actions will be judged. But folks, I want to live real. A real faith. A real love. Right now. Right now. I don't want to feel the need to hide. Even though sometimes I do. Grace has set us free, and because grace has set me free, I want to be the person that Jesus has made me to be. I don't want to live a double life. I don't want to leave this building and live a different way or see the world a different way than I supposedly say in this sanctuary. I don't want to speak words of death. I want to speak words of life. I want to treat people with respect and love because Christ loved me. So today my prayer is, God, help me. Because the real me is showing. Help me. Help me bring to the light what needs to be forgiven before it is exposed. Bow your heads with me here this morning. Father, what a weighty reality that all of us in this room, our hearts are open before the eyes of whom we have to do. We are accountable to you, God. We are accountable to your holiness. We are accountable to your righteousness. And so this morning, Father, I'm asking that you would convict us, that you would draw us. Father, there are some in this room today that are hiding. They're hiding behind shame, they're hiding their failures. 
They may be hiding their pain, their mistakes. There are people in this room that are hiding their fears. And I'm asking you, oh God, that you would help us take the mask off. There are some people in this room today, Lord, that may be living a double life. They have a church life and they have an outside the church life and they don't always match. God help us. I'm asking you, Lord, that we would feel the weight of your call. Following you is not a Sunday thing. And so I'm asking you, Lord, that you would convict us and draw us by the power of your Holy Spirit. I'm asking you, O Lord, that you would help us deal with what's in darkness before it is exposed. In the name of Jesus, help us deal with our hurts, our pains, our hidden places, our secret places. Forgive us of our ungodly thoughts and ungodly words that we have spoken. Forgive us, Lord, of our hearts that have strayed after worldly things. Forgive us, Lord, for giving in to fleshly desires. Forgive us, Lord, for sin. Forgive us for how we've treated others. Help us, Lord, be the people of God that you've called us to be.